traffic 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 i hate traffic okay yeah you and me hanging out again i don't have time for pleasantries because i only have about 15 minutes to talk if not an hour who the fuck knows what's going to happen here i don't know uh what do you need to know my mom's had two more near-death experiences both were awful both i just don't want to recount they're just awful but she's stable now she's in the hospital again you know it's bad when she actually doesn't mind being sent in an ambulance to the hospital that's pretty bad when she's like okay Usually she fights it. I don't care about you. You're stupid. Why are you idiots doing this? I need to go to sleep now. I'm just an old woman trying to go to sleep. You're all stupid. Okay, so she's in the hospital. I'm going to go see her again tomorrow. I'm supposed to be going to Victoria on Sunday. And I'm really nervous about leaving the city. So I don't know. But if she behaves herself and doesn't have any more of her, you know, whatever poor woman jesus christ any more of her health scares or whatever i should be okay but sarah has promised me if anything does happen and i want to come back she will pay for it which is good because i also uh, have no money okay so that's great so there we've covered that now i don't want to talk about that anymore because it's all i think about it's all i i wouldn't say talk about because i'm not really talking about much at home right now (laughs) I tend to shut down when bad things happen. And that's okay. That's how I cope. So I'm instead, I'm going to tell you a stupid story uh, about a woman of my from my past. It's very, it's very sexual. It's not at all sexual. Uh, do you remember the first person you dated? Me too. And I'm a lesbian, so I'm friends with her, kind of, but not really. My first relationship, I was nine. Well, I shouldn't say my first relationship. I count it as my first relationship because it's my first relationship with a woman so to me it's the first but it really wasn't it was really like maybe the third or fourth how can i describe this this woman she is exhausting i don't know how i managed to date her for so long like i think we dated for two years ish and then like during that process uh keep in mind i was working a lot i i don't think i ever really liked her as a person i might i must have right I must have liked her, but she like cheated on me once with a girl, but it wasn't really that much. It was just like that she cuddled with that girl and like kissed her a bunch or whatever. I don't even know how to explain this. So she was the aggressor towards me. I was 19 and she was 17. We worked together. It was fun. It was cool. You know, it was my first experience with a woman and I had to do no work. She uh, came on to me, which was Sure. You know, I mean, at that point, I just remember it was it's 1999. Like, you know, that song, that Prince song, like that's what he was talking about. Okay, and it wasn't a dream. It was real. It was real. I was living in 1999. There was a time. Okay, And um, yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. She just yeah, she was very aggressive. She came on to me. We I think was that. Yeah, we went to my we went to a social together. And if you're not from Winnipeg, that's something where you support people who are getting married and spend money on like on stupid shit. You just go to support them. And then she, whatever, she stuck her tongue in my ear or maybe something like that. Or she sat on my lap or something. And then yada, yada, yada. Okay. 
So eventually we stopped working together. She went to go work somewhere else. And then eventually I went to work somewhere else and we were still dating. I forgave her because for cheating on me with that girl at that other party, because I was stuck. My mom needed a ride to work and she's calling me and calling me. And I didn't have a car at the time. And I'm just like, finally I answered the phone. My mom's like, I guess I'll take a cab. Cause like no one was there to give her a ride for some reason. And then I answered her call. I'm like, Hey, could you do me a favor? <laughs> Did you drive my mom to work? And she's like, yeah, oh, of course, of course. And she knew my mom really well. She's over at my house all the time. And she gave my mom a ride to work. And I guess I just let myself be suckered into dating her again. It's like, where's my, where's my self-esteem? I don't know where it was. I was, I don't know. I guess I was just bored and like, sure, <laughs> let's hang out endlessly some more. Even though you talk and talk and talk and talk. Anyway, so yada, yada, yada. Uh, at some point, we broke up for real. Ah, I remember now. Okay. It's all coming back to me. I worked at this place called the cork and dock, which everybody called the cock and dork. And it's no longer in existence anymore, but I was a cook there. And I was a cook there when we were still dating until there was a night when she went out with a couple of my coworkers, which were male. She spent a lot of time at that bar, like sitting at that bar while I was working. And there's a stupid part of me that thought, Oh, well, maybe she just wants to be in the same building as I am. <laughs> what a moron. No, she had no friends. So she was, it was the one of the few places where she could go and she knew people because like I worked there. So we'd hang out sometimes with those people and she was familiar with them. It was one of the few places she could go and drink by herself, but not really be by herself. Do you know what I mean? She had no friends. So she kind of just hung out with my coworkers there a lot. So there was this night where she went out with with the two bartenders that worked during the day and they went out and I didn't really care about the situation. I'm like, sure, like have fun. Text, text me when you get home. Like there was texting then. There was not. <laughs> so I, I just I had this terrible feeling all day. I'm like, so, like something is going on. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Finally, I'm off work. It's like, I don't know maybe midnight, maybe one in the morning. I can't even really remember. Maybe even later. Maybe I stayed to last call. I don't know. But I had this feeling and she lives right close to my mom's house, which I was living at at the time. And I go and drive by her house and her car's not there. And I'm like, well, that's fucking weird because she should have been home by now. Like this is late. And uh, I got home and then she called me the next day around noon or I think this is critical to the story is whether it was noon or 11:45 a.m. or 11 a.m. because it doesn't fucking matter. But the point was I was to work the day shift or the somewhat day shift at this restaurant. And she called me or I called her, I can't remember, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, how was last night?" "Oh, it was good. It was good." I said, "Okay, what time did you get home?" You know, cuz I'm concerned, of course, and laying a trap. Uh, it was one of the few times I was actually like able to psychologically manipulate a situation to my advantage, which I'm very proud of. And she said, oh, I think we got home around 1230 or one. And I was like, you're lying. And she said, no, I'm not. And I said, yeah, you are lying. Like, where were you? Uh, I, I was at home. I'm like, no, you weren't. Well, how do you know that? I said, because I drove by your fucking house, you idiot. And she said, well, nothing happened. I just didn't go home. And I said, I think I said about 800 times to her, I'm like, tell me which one of those guys you fucked around with, the two bartenders, the two bartenders, pardon me, so I can at least go in there with my held, held, head held high so that I know 
which at least which one of them you fucked around with. I didn't, I didn't. I'm like, just tell me which one. And I think I said that over and over and over. And I would not let her say anything until she told me which one. And then she did. And you know what the most awesome part of that whole situation was? I had to go into work and that guy, so I'm the cook. He's the waiter slash bartender that exact day. He didn't know that I knew because I am guessing they had assumed that they would just keep that blowjob or the fucking or whatever between them, but it didn't pan out that way. And I think a part of her wanted me to know that like she cheated on me, I guess. And I think in her brain, she thought her and this, this bartender guy were going to date forever and they were going to get married. Yeah. Okay. About that. Let's, let's talk that out. So now it's super weird. And I'm working with this other guy, Alex. And I'm like, Alex, that fucking cocksucker. What should we name the bartender? James and my girlfriend. What should we call my girlfriends? Mary. Sure. Let's be crazy. I'm like, Mary and James fucked around last night. He doesn't know that I know, but I know. And Alex was like, oh my God, are you fucking serious? He's like, let me just say, he was gay. Uh, Most waiters are. Let me just say, I've never fucking liked that bitch. We all pretend to like her and nobody fucking likes her. Every time I see her at the bar, I'm like, oh great. I'm gonna get stuck fucking talking to Mary again. And and part of me, don't get me wrong. I was very happy to hear that nobody liked her because now she was a fucking dirty, fucking stinking jerk. Uh, so that was super weird. That was one of the most awkward situations of my life. And she kept coming to the bar every day. And my coworkers, other than this guy who they have now all ostracized, because that's against the bro code. Like, don't do that. That's not cool to fuck around with your coworkers, girlfriend, whether it's a straight couple or a gay couple. And I know she was a willing participant. And I don't doubt that she instigated the entire thing. Because she's just an aggressive woman who knows what she wants. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But just break up with me first. Like, you know, because they had been sitting in the bar together how many times that I didn't know about. And they're just shooting the shit. And, you know, like, she's like, I could tell he liked me. It's like, oh, God, I pity him. I pity him. And I just lost like 180 pounds. So good luck to you, James. What the fuck was my point? Yeah. So she thinks they're going to get married at this point. And all my coworkers, no one's talking to her. Bare minimum conversation to get her whatever drink because she kept coming. Not only did she cheat on me, make my work life really awkward and miserable, she kept coming to the bar every fucking night. She just would not, like, fuck off. Like, usually someone cheats on you and they fuck off. Nope. Not Mary. No way, Jose. She's going to keep on coming. Okay, so let's fast forward now. I hadn't talked to Mary in forever And I think she friended me on Facebook. And then there was that month that Sarah dumped me, which was March 1st, 2010. Hashtag never forget. I think I was writing some shit on Facebook about how the best, like, I think I had just turned 30, maybe. And the best part about being 30 and newly single is nothing. So she, she saw me miserable and she had just recently gotten married. And she saw me miserable. She messaged me and she's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Like, thank you for seeing that I am going to kill myself or, you know, take a lot of sleeping pills and drink a lot of alcohol in the afternoon on a Friday and reaching out. And it was really, really nice because I was pretty lonely. Like, 
I don't know about you guys, but when I date somebody, they become most of my entire life. I just was so heartbroken and alone, and I felt like I had really fucked things up. She was really cool, and then there was this awkward situation. Uh, her husband and Mary and I were all drinking, except Mary decided she's going to drink a liter of wine in, oh, 19 minutes, which led to her vomiting. But before she vomited, she did me the honor of putting her hand on my upper thigh, uh, dangerously close to my labia, uncomfortable. My, I was just like, she kept putting her hand on my upper thigh and I kept moving it to my knee. And then we just did that dance a few times. I was just like, no, thank you. And she's like, you know, we could, he could just watch if you wanted to like have a threesome and he could like, you know, just, just do me. And I'm just like, oh my fucking God. Like, have we never met why would you think I would agree to that ever? This is fucking weird. And something is wrong with you. Like, clearly, you do not know me at all. If you think that is even a remote possibility. Ugh, so gross. So dirty. No, thank you. And then she vomits like her guts out because who can drink a liter of wine in in such a short amount of time and live? I, I don't know. So I left. And then fast forward some more. She, I am very newly pregnant. I think I'm like two or two months pregnant, two and a half months pregnant. I didn't come out as being pregnant to uh, everyone until I was about three months pregnant, which is a return to sender show. It's, er, when is it? Is it 2011? Yes, it's 2011. She's back again. And she, I was posting on Facebook because we're Facebook friends because Facebook brings all of your exes. What brings all of your exes to the yard? Facebook. It's better than yours. It actually really sucks. I fucking hate Facebook. So here she is, you know, texting me. Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And then finally, I'm just like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And she said, great, let's meet up for lunch. Because she had just uh, given birth to a baby. I think she was like three. The baby was maybe two or three months old. And we went to the Polo Park Mall. Okay, which is in Winnipeg. It's a, it's a beautiful mall. It's not the one. It's not Portage Place. Portage Place, you're, you're at risk for getting attacked by a meth head. But Polo Park at that time, still pretty chill. And I, I, I suffered through her company and she was so venomously mean to me. I don't even know why she said the things she said to me. I'll just do it really quickly because I can't remember bullet points. Uh, she asked me what last name the baby was going to have. And at that point, I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know, either Sarah's name or hyphenated. She's like, well, why? What are you going to do when she leaves you? She, your baby's going to have her last name? Okay. I'm like, okay. And I'm just like ready to fucking kill her. And uh, then she said, who's going to have the baby shower? And I said, I don't want a baby shower again. Like, have we met? No, I don't want to sit in a semicircle and wear like a diaper on my head. And like, no one fucking wants that, especially not me. I said, oh, Sarah will have the baby shower. Well, that's not her baby. And then over and over, she just kept like hitting me in the kidneys. Like, I can't even remember all the things she said. It was just like this whirlwind of like, uh, insulting me and like degrading my relationship and somehow my relationship wasn't valid because we're two women and of course two women are going to break up and like her relation and then oh that's what I wanted to get to when she said what are you going to do when she leaves you as though it was it's set in stone this will happen to you it's going to happen I've seen movies because of course every lesbian movie ends in despair ah oh. okay right 
And then I knew that her husband was a borderline alcoholic and had chased her out of the house because he had somehow she had he had passed out in the car. She had gone inside because she couldn't get him to wake up. He wakes up in her car, locked in and has to pee so bad that he pees all over her floor mats, can't figure out how to get out of the vehicle. He thinks she's locked him in somehow. He's a plumber. Like, you can't figure out how a fucking handle works on a car and you're a plumber. That's how drunk he was. So he finally figures out how to get in, out of the car, into the house, and he's pissed all over her car, goes in. She's so afraid of him in the state he's in. She grabs her purse with her car keys and leaves the house with no shoes, runs for her life because she's afraid that he's going to beat the shit out of her. Now, I can honestly tell you that I, too, have fled uh, from my wife, but she was very pregnant at the time. And uh, I, th I think there, I said something like there's a lot of bitches up in here or something to that to that re regard. And I ran as fast as I could. But I feel like they're in different they're in different categories of domestic abuse. Like I, I never really feared for my life, but I did place a locked door between Sarah and I. And that is an episode called Go to Your Room. If you're interested, you can go listen to that. Okay, so this woman is just on again, off again in my life. Like she just keeps showing up. And that that was pretty close to the last time I, I ever saw her in person. Because I was just like, like, why am I subjecting myself to an ex who's not even like cool or nice or like awesome? And just so you know, she did apologize to me later after I just blocked her completely out of my life. I think she got that what she did and what she said to me was like inappropriate. And I barely I am barely touching on what it is that she did to piss me off. And she's here she is. She's popped up in my life again three months later. And I get a message on Facebook. God bless you. God bless you, Facebook. Where would where would we all be? Without Facebook, happy. That's where we'd be. We'd be so happy without our exes being able to contact us. And she get, writes me something that says, guess who's single again? And I write back, who? Because I don't know. And she wrote back, me. And I was like, what? And she says she's spent the last two years in therapy and she couldn't figure out why she didn't like fucking her husband. And she came to the conclusion via this therapy that she is really gay and has been this whole time. And I was just like, mind blown. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You've been married to this dude for fucking like nine years. You've been together with him for what? Like, I don't know, 12, 13, which is like a life sentence. If you really knew this woman, I don't know how he did it. I wrote back. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I tried to be supportive. Good for you. Congratulations. Like, I don't know. Okay, sure. But if you think for a fucking second that I didn't revel in the fact that her relationship that she considered to be so much more valid than mine went down in like a sea of flames, you would be wrong. I loved it. I fucking loved it. I texted everybody I've ever met in my entire life to explain the story and tell them that she can go fuck herself with her bullshit nonsense. And I enjoyed it. I don't think I've ever been happier to, to revel in the schadenfreude of this situation. And now, this is my last thing. Okay, one last thing, because I'm home. I'm home, and I, 
gotta go in and face my real life. She keeps messaging me about her dating life. And I don't know which part she thought, like, I was, if she thought I was interested in, in who she was dating or I wanted to know or because maybe she has some attachment in her brain that I am the last successful lesbian relationship she had, if you can count it as successful, it really wasn't. But maybe the last woman she dated, that we can definitely say. She's asking me, oh, I'm seeing this girl. She's giving me all these details I am clearly not asking for and am not interested in. What do, how do I find out? Is she into me? She doesn't text me back right away. She doesn't initiate texts. And I just wrote back, ask her. And she's like, well, I can't because it's too soon and I don't want her to scare her off and all this shit. I'm like, I can only speculate. Like, don't try to draw me into your bullshit web of drama. Like, I don't care. I have real life situations that I don't want to deal with. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with yours at all. Like, I have real fucking problems so fuck off so I just put an end to it I'm just like I don't want to talk to you she texts me again hey can you send me a picture of yourself um this girl that I'm friends with like they were kind of dating but it didn't work out but now they're just friends she wants I told her you remind she reminds me of you and she wants to see a picture of you it's like no like are you fucking stupid first of all I hate having my fucking picture taken and second of all no who the fuck are you and I just wrote back no and oh period and then she writes me back this uh, long, oh, still weird about having your picture taken, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, here, here's a picture of me and this girl that you don't know taking a selfie at some event you're not interested in. See, it's not weird. And I, I wrote back, I'm like, I dated you 20 years ago. It is weird to ask me for a picture of myself to send to someone I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird and you're weird. Fuck off. So hopefully she takes that as a hint as uh I, I i just like like no okay mary no yeah proud mary keep on burning like your fucking marriage get the fuck out of here get out of my life i do not have time or room or want for fucking crazy people in my life i'm crazy my life is crazy i don't need any more crazy okay great thanks okay well i'm home i've got to go into my house now and figure out what's for supper because what could possibly be for supper? Thanks for listening. I'm so sorry. You guys deserve better than chats in the car. What can I do? Okay, I have a segment from Annie. I'm just going to put it in. She finally finished listening to all the shows and told me that she told herself when she was finished with all the shows, she would send something in, and she has. So here it is. I've listened to it. Uh, it's her, like, do you remember an episode I did called Keys, Please, where I couldn't find my fucking keys, and they were in the most obvious place in the history of the world? So this is kind of like her keys, please, when she's, so just, just listen to it. And here it is. Hi, Sandra. This is Annie. And I wanted to tell you a little story that sort of correlates to your keys, please episode. In my past life, I was a manager at McDonald's. And, you know, you may have noticed that fast food restaurants pretty much stay open no matter what, because their owner operators are assholes. And they somehow think that they are absolutely essential personnel. I can assure you they are not. But it doesn't pretty much matter what the weather is. Fast food restaurants stay open. And down here in uh, southeastern PA, our winters don't get quite as cold as yours seem to get up there in Manitoba. But it can get pretty chilly. And there was one particular winter where it was cold. And very, very, very icy. And my father was very concerned about me driving to work in all the ice and said, hey, 
you need to take my Chevy Blazer to work. It's got four-wheel drive, and it's much safer than your little Volkswagen Beetle. I said, okay. So I went and played cars at my dad's house and took his Chevy Blazer, and I drove to work. I was closing the restaurant that night, which meant I had to work until about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And, you know, we, we parked outside and went through a regular shift and it was getting colder and colder and colder and colder and colder and colder. As I'm, you know, I'm not as cold as you. I think it was like negative five Fahrenheit, which is, you know, cold, but still not as cold as Manitoba. And I finally got the restaurant all shut down and I got my one kid off and home and my employee, not my kid. And my co-manager um, left the building with me and we went to go get into, you know, my dad's Chevy Blazer and the door was frozen shut. I could not open it. I tried yanking, I tried pulling, I tried kicking it, I could not open the door. So I had the brilliant idea of climbing in through the back. Now, it's got one of those spare tire hitches on the back so it's like a swing gate with the big tire on it and you have to swing the gate open and then you have to unlock the window and then you have to unlock the trunk so that the trunk will flip down so I, I open it all up and I climb inside and Caroline my co-manager closes the the drop gate closes the glass and swings the spare tire in place I start climbing into the front of the car and I say to her, you go ahead and go. You have a good night. And she waves and she gets in her car and she drives away. And I finish climbing into the front seat of the car and I sit down and I put my key in and I go to turn the car on and the car will not start. So I try again and the car won't start. So now I'm like, okay, I'll just get out and go back in the restaurant and call for help. I can't get out. The door's still quite frozen shut. So now I call AAA. I don't know if you have that up there, but it's like one of those roadside assistance things. They say, well, we'll get there within an hour. I said, it's very cold outside and I'm locked inside my car with no heat and no power. We'll be there within the hour. Okay. This is the time when I call my mama mia. And I'm talking to her and she's keeping me company. But as the minutes tick by, I'm now starting to cry and my teeth are starting to chatter because I'm only wearing a polar fleece hoodie because I didn't think I'd be living outside in this weather. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm talking to her and, and, you know, waiting on AAA when all of a sudden two big giant police SUVs come flying into the parking lot with their lights and their sirens blazing and they come and they park around my car like I have a bomb inside and they get out and they have flashlights and the policemen are like looking in the window and I'm sitting there hysterical crying and shaking like a leaf and the cop reaches over and just pulls the door handle open and pulls the door right open. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? I don't know whether my body heat warmed up the car enough or whether he was just that much stronger than me. But 
the police officer had no trouble opening the car door. And there I was with half of the police department there to save me in the frozen car. I am sure they are still telling the story of the lady who got trapped in her car because she climbed in through the trunk. That lady? Oh, oh, that's me. So it's okay. It's not every day you find out that a regular listener is that dumb. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Thank you so much, Annie. I really appreciate it. Yes, I'm still recording from the car, but with the miracles of modern technology, I have inserted it right where it needs to be. You're welcome. And for that matter, here is Rainbow and Lisa with a segment called Reset that they sent me 500,000 fucking years ago. And I want to reset. So I'm going to play it. I have no memory of what the fuck is even on it, but I know that I love Lisa and to a slightly lesser extent, Rainbow. I'm just kidding. Rainbow has been so nice to me. She's checking in on me. Same with Rose. How's your mom? How's everything going? And I really appreciate the support. And I'm not going to lie. It's been rough. It's been very difficult. I, I, I go from feeling fine to feeling like someone is ripping my heart out and stomping on it. It's just been a real roller coaster ride. So thanks for hanging in there with me. And thanks for letting me escape my life for a short time, which is what this is. So wah, wah, wah. Boo-hoo. Uh, crybaby, crybaby. Thank you. Okay. So if you need anything, changeofaddress69 at gmail.com. If you want to send in a segment, please feel free. If you want to leave an iTunes review, I think you should. If not for me, then for my mother, because God only knows she deserves it. And <laughs> uh, I don't know. The Amazon link is changeofaddress.podbean.com. Go look there. There's a Canadian link. There's an American link. Go link yourself. so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side rainbows are visions but only illusions and rainbows have nothing to hide hello sandra hello sandra it's rainbow bright and lisa and uh, we, I am, I am going to, I think, send you a request to reset. You have reset the Facebook page. Maybe there will be more shows this year, uh, provided Stella doesn't try and take over the world. Um, I'm trying to record on my phone because you said that the audio from the last couple I sent you is super fucked up and I think it's because my laptop is super fucked up. <laughs> You're laughing. I am laughing. Why are you laughing? Because you said super fucked up. <laughs> oh, I thought you were laughing because I watch a lot of porn on my laptop and <laughs> no. just figured that's why my now laptop was Now you watch up. the porn on my phone. <laughs> so I get all these stupid things on pop-ups on here. Stop watching porn on my phone. Well, I'm sorry. Stop leaving your phone lying around. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I, we've been talking, well, through segments we've been talking and, um, it's like so delayed because I felt weird about a segment that I sent you a long time ago, which you have since played. And then I like just made segments and didn't send them to you for a year. So then I sent you a whole bunch and I'm just going to tell you to like 
skip over the last two because I'm pretty sure I'm a drunken asshole in one and then I'm pretty sure I sing in both of them. So maybe don't play those. I'm going to say don't. This is news to me. No, because you recorded in one of them. Remember I? I was singing about passive aggressively singing oh, at yeah, people yeah, on the, the sidewalks? sidewalks? Yeah, yeah. Because Sandra will sing at her children when they frustrate the ever-living yes. hell out of her. So I was using that as a coping mechanism, but I, I sing some passive aggressive songs and I'm just, I'm not mm. sure that that's uh, okay. particularly interesting okay. to listeners or I should subject them to my horrible voice in any you way, don't shape, have or a form. Horrible, horrible voice. There was hesitation in that. That was You like, don't have a horrible voice there. <laughs> okay. There was no hesitation well, in that. Well, it's not the best of voices, and probably no one wants to hear me sing. But speaking of songs, as you notice, the intro song was different, and also, too, uh, because I am recording on the phone, I'm sorry if the audio was terrible, because I just used Lisa's phone to play it. <laughs> when uh, she's not watching porn on my phone, I play rainbow she's songs. playing rainbow songs by The Muppet Show. Yes, but the original songwriter of that was Paul Williams, who happened to be present at my birthday party. Yeah. The Paul Williams, the Phantom of the Paradise, was at my birthday. And I don't know who this is because I'm too young for this, but apparently he wrote the Rainbow Song, so I'm down with him. He wrote many songs for the Muppets. So the story went, uh, we were having Lisa's birthday at the Merchant Kitchen downtown, uh, I surprised her with like a night in the Alt Hotel and we had all her friends show up at the Merchant Kitchen. So we go down there and there's like a big table of us. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to take like a group photo. So I'm doodling about just like snapping photos and everybody smile and da 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 da. And um, all of a sudden, somebody at the table. I turned and I said. I think that's Paul Williams. And nobody really said, noticed except for Megan. Because you're old. Who was like, what? And I said, I think that's Paul Williams. And she looked over and she turned beet red. And then our friend Melanie uh, turned beet red because she recognized Paul Williams because her dad is uh, Stan Lesk, a huge uh, acting presence in... Winnipeg with Rainbow Stage, her father is so. I have no connection to Rainbow Stage. I just completely. <laughs> That's another made Rainbow up thing. Rainbow. Yeah, okay. So, um, of course, she gets on the phone and she starts texting her dad, Stan, that Paul Williams is here and he's like, How long has he been there? Is he leaving right away? I have to come down and meet him. And uh, it was really weird. And then um, everybody realized that it was him. And my friend Kirsten started freaking out. Everybody started freaking out that it was him. And then uh, as Ed was taking these pictures, he ended up in the pictures. And then he was leaving and um, he was in the city promoting a book he had just wrote. And he was going to be doing a show at the Met, the Phantom of the Paradise Live. So he stopped at our table and uh, he said, oh, it looks like you guys are celebrating. And everybody was like, oh, it's her birthday. And he's like, what's your name? And I said, Lisa. And he's like, well, Lisa, I hope you have a very happy birthday. And he gave me a hug. And then he said, you know, people warned me about coming to Winnipeg. They said Winnipeg was full of a bunch of assholes. 
He said, I haven't met one asshole since I've been here. And he was downtown, so that's yeah. pretty impressive. He said everybody has been really nice to him. So um, it was a fabulous birthday. I don't think I'll ever be able to top that having Paul Williams at my birthday. And I made it happen. <laughs> and you made me. it happen. And I uh, no, we had no idea he was even there. And I think that the reason he came up to our table is we were being so, well, we were originally being ridiculous, just taking photos because we wanted photos of the group. But I guess he's a celebrity and he just made the assumption we were taking photos of him. Because if you look at Lisa's birthday photos, the first one that I snapped of us all at the table, it looks like Paul Williams is that the at the head of the table. Like he's looking directly at me taking the picture without his permission of him. Uh, but that wasn't my intent. I just wanted a nice photo of the table, and I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, however, two people at the table, Megan and Adam, uh, they decided they once they re realized he was uh, sitting right next to us, they wanted to take like a picture on the down low. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> they were trying to pretend to take a selfie, but take a picture of him. It was pretty hilarious. It was hilarious because the guy who was trying to take the down low selfie of him and his wife in front of Paul Williams had the flash on his camera yes. when he did it. So he not only blinded them, he also blinded Paul Williams <laughs> trying to pretend to take a selfie yeah. and get Paul Williams. It was pretty shot. funny. He's like, after he's like, man, I felt so stupid. <laughs> I just saw Paul Williams like cover his eyes and go, oh, and I just, and I'm like, Megan, I just blinded Paul Williams. Uh, so it was a really good, really good birthday party. It was a good party. birthday party. Um, yeah, it was a total surprise. And to just have Paul Williams randomly be there was pretty cool. Like, pretty not cool. as many people can say that they had Paul Williams at their 51st birthday. Okay, but like, more importantly, I have a bone to pick with you. Now what did I do? Okay, apparently Sandra had a competition for some of her homemade salsa online. And only one person entered it and got two of the things of salsa. And you know that I don't really do like phones and social media. So you're supposed to I be following her. I know about this. We missed out on salsa is what I'm saying. I was supposed to make some salsa? No, she made salsa and we could have won it if you had been doing your job and following her on I Facebook. I didn't know my job was... Yes. I'm sorry, Sandra. Apparently my job has changed. I'm no longer in food services I am now officially stalking you and your every move so that I know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, that's your job. Okay, that's my job Because I don't follow social media enough. I'll be better now. She's like purged the group of like all the bots and people that don't post anymore. So now we have like oh. a little group of lesbo fans. You had like a cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. Facebook cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we donated to the show. I did my yearly donation, and Sandra said that I'm supposed to give you a big kiss for donating. Oh, thanks, her. Sandra. That was a wet one. <laughs> <laughs> a wet willy. <laughs> and I think that we're just going to go for 10-minute segments, because nobody, everybody's sick of hearing me be like, oh my god, we're over five minutes. I'm going to apologize for another oh, two so minutes. We have so we have 30 seconds 30 left. 30 seconds left. Okay. What do you want to talk about? 30 seconds. Um, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. We had a fabulous Christmas. Yes, and we'll come back. I think our segment is going to be maybe more about how awful our neighborhood is because Sandra grew up in our neighborhood. 
Um, and I really enjoyed your last show where you kind of like commented on all the crazy stuff that you had to put up with in the neighborhood and now we have to put up uh, with in the neighborhood. Yeah, well, yeah, the West End has its good and bad points. It's full of gays. That's a good point. Um, but it's also full of crime. That's a bad point. Yes, and we <laughs> will end on that note now. Bye. Bye.